Dear Reed, well, here we are again at the end of the world. Um, you are in Idaho. I'm in Parker's house. Uh, I was reading actually about how the rich are already fleeing to their private homes in Idaho. Um, what else? Oh, there's a woman in the Hamptons who's, uh, had a panic room installed, but it's really like a suite with like a bed, a kitchen, uh, surgical gowns and gloves and masks and filtered water and all sorts of medications. Um, I somehow got on some list that was uh, uh, for this place uh, on the Upper East Side that was about coming in to get uh, your immune system boosted for uh, the virus and... um, it was, uh, you'd get your blood drawn out and then your platelets would go through a UV treatment and then they'd be re-injected into you as well as, um, uh, getting set up to an IV vitamin, what have you. Uh, who knows? Maybe I'll go do it. Um, but in the meantime, I'm really, uh, you know, serving what I generally serve at this point. Um, in the when I go through the catalog of fictional films that feel like for me a biopic, um, which is Kirsten Dunst and Melancholia. I uh, went out today and fed the birds, and I fed Rory, and walked around. It's pretty bleak up here right now. It's pretty cold, overcast, rainy, and I really, you know, my hair couldn't be greasier. Um, I think the clothes I'm wearing, I I think, are dirty. And I was really just picturing myself lifting my hands up uh, and electricity coming out of my fingertips as it uh, also is coming out of all the uh, telephone poles up here. Um, You're in Idaho. You're you're, uh, with, it looks like, children and car washes and um i hope you're having a wonderful time what's new york city been like well this past week you ask (laughs) what's new york city like um this past week uh we were doing uh another workshop for the for jeremy o'harris's play uh it was just me and the director because jeremy is in london with daddy um and uh, it was a workshop with NYU students just to try out some things in the script and some movement material. And as I was making my way to Midtown on uh, Thursday, a woman coughed right into my face as I got onto the subway while she was just, you know, clicking away at her phone. These phones really we were all like, it'll be the death of us. Well, people just scrolling through their news feed, completely panicked and then just spraying out of their death holes everywhere. Um, That uh, was a moment on Thursday that gave me a a little bit of uh, a sweat, but it didn't compare with Friday, which was when uh, the E-train shut down on my way in. And so I got on a seven, I got out at 42nd Street, and there is that walk in that tunnel that you have to make between the 7 train and 8th Avenue 
I really should have just gone above ground. I was, but it's weird when you come out of the seven, you're like, how do I get out of here? And you'd have to go backwards to go up. And I just, you know, I'm thinking surprising in my hypervigilance, um, or maybe it makes sense. Cause I think many people are entering into fugue states. Uh, I went into the tunnel and it, that walk generally is like, you know, a three minute, maybe five, if you're feeling casual, uh, it took over 10 minutes. We were going so slow that I looked at my phone to see when I would get out of there. Um, because the E-train had shut down the other side, so people were coming and people were just trapped. It was everyone covered their mouth with their coat or a scarf or uh, I saw people take their hats off their heads and put that over their face. People were rubbernecking, whiplashing their heads around as they heard any cough or sneeze. Uh, a girl in front of me looked up at her boyfriend and just said, we're going to get it. We're going to die. Then fully started to hyperventilate while he tried to like help her as we took, you know, just like half steps, like your foot moved half a step and then another half a step. And people, my main panic actually in that moment was that all of a sudden there'd be some kind of just stampede mentality, like, you know, a black Friday Walmart moment. Um, fortunately that didn't happen. I, uh, was completely soaked in sweat uh, by the time I got out of there. There was a slight rain and I just pulled the hood off of my coat and just, you know, tried to cool down. It's, um, it's a pretty manic panic. Uh, so I'll be curious what your responses are to the city when you come back. Um, Fortunately, you live in Manhattan, so I guess you can city bike yourself around. The weather will be nice enough or you won't have to get on the subway. But for those in Brooklyn, the Bronx and Queens, it's a very different story. Um, it's so wild to read that the some MTA queen was like, you know, the subways are fine, but try not to take them. <laughs> um, while the head of Port Authority is, you know, has Corona. Uh, it's all, it's, uh, and I've also, I'm curious that, you know, it's taking so long to get these test kits. I've really been like, are we not getting the test kits because Trump hates New York and the federal government is, you know, because we're so anti him, the federal government is dragging their heels on it. A, B, is it that once they start testing, it's going to be so clear that it's just thousands of people have it. Um, uh, C, all the above. Uh, who knows? Um, that's really the news on that front at Bard. We're, you know, developing our contingency plans. Um, I really uh, uh, liked uh, reading something that Josh Lubin-Levy had posted, which is that while he was at the new school, he saw these two adjunct professors fighting because uh, one of them was filling up her uh, personal travel hand sanitizer with the... Uh, hand sanitizer in the faculty lounge and the other one was yelling there won't be enough for all of us uh while another two faculty members talked for over an hour about how they would teach sewing over zoom um so it's a real uh what i i don't understand why uh the democrats and the nominees aren't completely uh talking about this and about the importance of universal health care. 
and that the importance of it is that it actually takes care of everyone. I, you know, the, the rich can feel like they don't want to pay for the health care of, uh, those who are less fortunate than them, but it will affect them too. And as we're seeing, um, you know, this is, uh, uh, it, it shan't be contained. Um, I don't like contagion things as anyone who's listened to this podcast is all at all knows that they're really, that's really my, uh, trigger area is, um, uh, the idea of, uh, you know, invasion into my body. I'd far prefer if this was a planet careening at the world. Um, it's also more mystical, more beautiful, uh, and, um, but also certainly, uh, uh, more catastrophic. So I, I understand that people would probably prefer this scenario. What else is there to say? Uh, oh, well, there is a, a, a spot of joy on the horizon for our listeners, which is, uh, uh, Jeremy and I did the first in the closet, you'll be next, which is, uh, I went through my wardrobe and tried some things on and spoke about some of my pieces and, um, as well as, uh, folding clothes or pajamas and, um, I, I, I think our our listeners uh, will you're, you're in for a trot uh, with it, and um, yeah, and that'll bring a, a a spot of a spot of sunny effervescence in um, the collapse of the stock market and <laughs> the plague, uh, uh, this upcoming uh, election. Uh, it's just all really, it's a lot. It's a lot. And I really, it's, it's a thing of, of reach out to those you love and also maybe start treating everyone as those you love. I think this idea of if we take care of each other, then we will all be taken care of. It's, it's amazing how uh, humans have a hard time with that one. It's weird how small the percentage feels. Um, uh, it's always, it's always been a bummer, uh, for those of us who actually do care what happens to other people, uh, as well as understanding that we are interdependent. Um, we, we do all depend on each other. I'm getting so luxury. Ugh, let's cut that out and, um, get back to check out in the closet. It's a, it's a, it's, it's really fun and, and read if you've watched it, don't give it away. Um, uh, if you, when you send me back your, uh, voice letter, um, but I, I hope you've enjoyed it too. And I can't wait to, we film your closet. Um, I certainly know that the way you and I approach folding, putting things away, um, is very different. Uh, and, um, the one, you know, one thing I do really hope you cover is that severe line you like to get in your sweatshirts. Um, and sweaters. It's uh, the sweaters are probably hard to get that severe line in, but um, maybe even in your t-shirts, that line is really, it's really classic. You, uh, I hope you are enjoying the wide open space of Idaho and your soon to be um, very empty flight. I'm sure you'll be on. Uh, 
I just saw Parker off this morning. She's going to the Texas Film Festival. Uh, she's the uh, host of it, um, which uh, it sounds exciting. They're going to be honoring Shelley Duvall and Erica Badu. And uh, Parker and I talked about um, fairy tale theater. Remember that? Wow. Wow. I mean, Shelley Duvall, we love you. We love you. And we all should have taken better care of you. Um, fairy tale theater, how incredible. I really, I, I had them all on tape as a kid. I loved them. Maybe we need to get back to that kind of content. Uh, back to fairy tales about an instructional care uh, that children watch and maybe their parents absorb, or maybe their parents don't, that they're uh, scrolling through their newsfeed. Um, who knows? Anyhow, uh, but I was, I asked her, I asked Parker, and I was like, what do you think the airports are going to be like? And she said, desolate. Um, but maybe that'll be nice on your flight back. Um, I'm sure you won't wipe everything down. I, I doubt you even carry Purell. Um, all the masks that one could want are gone. Uh, did you see that post that Gwyneth posted where she was like, I've already been in this movie and she was wearing some mask that's even more expensive than the N95. Um, did you read about how all of the masks we have in our Federal Reserve are expired? <laughs> it's just, oh, America, really, pull it together. Good morning, listeners. I'm waking up in Boise, and I wanted to start the day with some listener love. Um, I'm going to read some reviews. From our iTunes, we've been asking for ratings and reviews, and you've been delivering. So this one is from someone called The Seas Knees. I could listen to Reed and Jack all day long, five stars. Seriously, I feel bereft at the end of each episode. These two are an absolute joy, all caps. I learned so much about dance, but they make any topic from the DMV to Maleficent interesting and delightful. They have the sweetest friendship, and it's a gift to be privy to all this cuteness and intelligence. Thank you, the seasonies. Then we're going on to uh, Mary Eliza. Best podcast, five stars. Jack and Reader, hilarious, smart, and make every Friday feel like a tiny gift because I get to listen to them. I love when Reed does a play-by-play of a movie or just becomes not interested because even that's interesting and fun. They bring up ideas and concepts about dance that I wish more people, especially anyone who produces or choreographs, would listen and take into consideration. Thank you for being friends and making this podcast. Thank you, Mary Eliza. Okay, here we go. Another one from the same day. 100% five stars from Theo Tomorrow. Talented, brilliant, incredible, amazing, show-stopping, spectacular, never the same, totally unique, not, not ever been done before, unafraid to reference or not reference, all around great podcast. Now, here's one of my personal favorites. It's from someone named Beverly Hills Chihuahua. This is from November. Um, actually, the, the subject is Beverly Hills Chihuahua, but the person is M.M. Patterson, and it's five stars. <clears throat> and here's the incredible review. A couple of years ago, the team from Orange is the New Black came to scout our apartment for a location, and the director of one of the many Beverly Hills Chihuahua movies was there. The love of my life is a long-haired chihuahua, and the director said it's a shame Massimo, my dog, couldn't be in Beverly Hills Chihuahua movie. 
Thank you, M.M. Pattersong. What a review. That was really something. And then my personal favorite from a year ago, I don't know if we've already read this, but it's from um, someone named C.S. period J.S. period professional reviews. So sounds like some kind of scammer. And the subject is not good. One star. And it says, I think Stepod is stupid. So thank you so much to cs.js.professionalreviews. And thank you all for your wonderful reviews, both good and bad, comic and not comic. Um, keep sending them in. We love them. We're going to read them on the pod. We loves you. Good morning. Dear Jack, this is my reply to your voice memo, which will fluidly segue into an interview here in... Idaho. I am in fact in Boise, Idaho and have been for eight days. I have been counting them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Not to insult my hosts who have been incredible, people I grew up with and people who are sitting at my right and my left side presently. So I won't say anything to denigrate beautiful Boise, though I have been struck by its kind of bleakness from the moment I arrived. It's incredibly beige There seems to be no people here, and um, though that might be comforting for some, it's jarring for me. Um, I don't really like crowded places, as you know. I I won't go to a concert. I won't go to a crowded opening. I, I can't do it, but it is incredible to look out the window of Bally, Idaho, onto the streets of downtown Boise and see literally nobody um, in the middle of the day. And also to go to lunch every day at a very nice sandwich shop where you're alone, utterly alone. But you do get served quickly, and that I do appreciate. Um, I have been uh, overseeing production on two sets of costumes that Harriet and I have designed, one for Lara Lubavitch and one for a choreographer we've never worked for named Craig Davidson. And it's all going well. The costumes seem essentially done, and we go into the theater tomorrow, so in that way everything's okay. We're keeping our fingers crossed that the shows happen, because as you know, coronavirus, you sound um, you sound slower than usual, which is interesting, and I think your, maybe your anxiety, as you said, has provoked a kind of Christ, Kirsten Dunst reaction, a la melancholia, where you've just given over to the... Um, What's the word I'm thinking of, Jack? I think you could help me. Ugh. The inevitable doom. Thank you, Garrett. Our guest knew exactly what I was thinking. The inevitable doom. So I'm actually not worried as per usual. Um, I don't think I'll be affected by the virus. I've already been on a flight. And you'll like this. I remember when I, <clears throat> I had a swollen gland and then developed a head cold. And got a a rapid strep test, which came back negative. Well, on my layover in Colorado, Denver, on my way here to Boise, I got a call from my doctor. It turns out I have strep throat. So I had to pick up antibiotics in Boise when I landed. And now um, I only have three pills left. So I'm assuming I'm better. Though um, my throat does get tired in the middle of the day. Garrett was so polite and just walked out of the room to cough. It's really, it's because we're in Boise and people are nice. They live on a street which is uh, literally out of some Norman Rockwell psycho fantasy where people just leave their doors open and everybody runs in and out of each other's homes. And there's 
toddlers bobbling along the streets screaming for you to buy their artwork, etc. Anyways, I, I do feel like I'm I'm building on some parenting skills that I don't have by being here and bearing witness to extreme negotiation with genius seven-year-olds, which is a horrifying thing to witness. Um, there's also an infant, which is the best, best part of it because he can't do or say anything. And then there's a four-year-old who's just a regular delight. Um, although he did hide in the laundry room today and uh, push over the ironing board, etc., because he did not want to go to school because he wanted to sell more artwork. He did, in fact, not go to school. And Courtney and I will have to have a discussion about that later. <laughs> At any rate, Jack, I'm, I'm, I love fairy tale theater. I'm glad Parker is honoring Shelley Duvall this week. I hope any of the Texas Film Festival actually happens. I can't imagine that it will, as the entire world seems to be shutting down as we speak. Um, I do hope I can get on a plane back home in a week's time. But if I don't, I know I'll be cared for here in Boise, fed, bathed, and in a bed. Is it already say that? Bed? Fed. I said fed. Fed, bed, showers. At any rate, um, I loved in the closet with you. I, I don't know that I will be able to produce such high quality content when my closet gets looked through, but I do have a phenomenal sock and underwear drawer. At any rate, that's enough for now in response to your voice memo, and I'm going to do a quick introduction of our guests, and we'll do an interview that won't last too long, because it is, in fact, late at night. Okay, well, we're about to get to that interview that Reed did, but there's been a lot of breaking news since our voice letters to each other. So I'm going to give him a call and we're going to check in first. Well, 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 he was waiting. You can't hear him yet because his phone's not recording. What do you mean? I'm talking to the iPad audience. Oh, no, my phone's recording now. Oh, now we're, we're here. We're all here. We're here. We're all here. It's all happening. Welcome to the show. I'm in Idaho, Jack's in New York. I'm sitting in a dressing room backstage. And um, it's the weirdest room I've ever been in because it looks like it's designed to be a three-person dressing room, but then it has a toilet in the middle of the room as if it's a prison cell. Wait, will you please take a photo of that? I will absolutely take a photo before I leave. Because we'll need, we'll have to give people some content as um, everyone stays in their apartment for the next two months. Exactly. So I'm going to, I... It's really... So now, how do you feel about... Remember how I asked you about Corona and you were like, I'm fine. I'm not scared. How do you feel now? I'm still not scared of getting Corona, but now I'm just scared of the kind of social cultural implications and like trying to get around, etc. So right. today was really interesting because um, today was meant to be the dress rehearsal for the Valley Idaho shows I'm here to do. And then in the middle... Oh, you'll hear... There's a recorded message right now. I don't know what it is. I'm turning off this thing. He's quiet. Okay. So, so anyways, um, I, the shows were meant to be tomorrow and Saturday, and then I was going to stay another day, Sunday and leave Monday, but the shows are canceled. And when I came into this dressing bathroom today and I was talking to Brett Perry, who's staging the Lara Lubavitch dance, he was like, 
I'm pretty sure the shows are going to be canceled. And I had just talked to Craig Davidson, who I designed one of the other pieces for. And he was like, my flight back to Europe to Zurich is canceled. I'm stuck here until further notice. And so uh, after hearing those two details, I was like, oh, and then Brett was like, you might want to think about getting out of here. And then I was like, I'm going to get out of here. So then I quickly called Southwest Airlines and, and changed my flight to tomorrow morning. Now, my question is, why do you want to leave Idaho and come back here? I don't want to be stuck here indefinitely. That's the answer. Like, I've had a good time and I've been productive, but it's just like, I have to come home now. My plants are going to die. I, I, I want to come, like, be in my own space. I get it. I get it. Um, it's surreal. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, I, uh, already have been like panicked about this for a couple of weeks. And then it seems like after the NBA and Broadway shut down, people are like, oh, this is, this is real. (laughs) Um, Bard was still like, are we having classes? Are we not? Um, because the voice memo I sent you was Tuesday and the voice memo you sent me was yesterday. Mm-hmm. And from the time I sent you that voicemail to the time that I got home uh, last night was real wild. And then of course things just got even more wild. It's now Thursday evening, ladies, gentlemen, another. Um, and uh, <sighs> Bard is going to go forward next week before spring break. Uh, with the option for people to start doing remote teaching now. And I am absolutely going to take that option. <laughs> it's like, I, I'll take my are, cue from are Broadway. You, are you avoiding leaving your house? Will you paint a little picture of New York so I know what to prepare for for tomorrow? I I will. Um, I will. What is New York like right now? Well, I have not been in Manhattan, um, but a friend of mine... Uh, two friends of mine went into the Whole Foods in the Lower East Side and another Whole Foods somewhere else, and everything was gone. <laughs> um, so that's really crazy. Uh, in Brooklyn, where I am, um, I would say it definitely feels like... Uh, pretty normal. Maybe there's a, f- a little less people out and mm-hmm. about. Um, uh, like, we, we, you know, we took a walk today and um, if you could call it that, it was <laughs> like, I mean, it's, it's also this backward, I'm sure I'm not the only one who's having like just this backlog of replaying scenarios of like what I already left you in that message, the woman coughing in my face, being trapped in the tunnel, like, you know, X, Y, Z, it's, I I feel like that is the thing that, um, you can now kind of see as well on people's faces as it's, it's, I would say there's a a level of dissociation going on for sure. Um, because people are afraid and it's, um, uh, yeah, I, so, but I don't know what Manhattan is like. So, I, I feel like where you're located um, and what you're going to do is you're going to order your food online. Okay. 
And I do suggest you like wash it all. And if things come in containers, just wipe them down. Great. Before you leave Idaho, you might want to try and get like Purell, alcohol, and Lysol wipes Mm -hmm. because that you will not find here. Interesting. Um, Like I, uh, I think I can't remember if I left this in the message or not. I last two Mondays ago. No, we talked it. We, I didn't talk about it because it happened two Mondays ago, two Mondays ago. I, when I was upstate, I was like, no, I'm going to like get some Lysol wipes and you know, da da da. And then the, that thing happened with a lawyer our sort of like first close home outbreak and then, and the community of uh, Westchester and then New Rochelle, which was going to happen a little bit later. But I went back to Hannaford's Tuesday. This is not just this past Tuesday, but last Tuesday, everything was gone. <laughs> well, like I'm, I'm, any I'm, Lysol wipe you could want all Purell, all of that. Gone. I don't know how much is left in Idaho either because the panic is now nationwide. There are no reported cases here, but there's also no test kits. So like, how could anyone even know if they have it? But well, um, likewise, New York. I mean, right. if you think you have it here, you have to stay home. Like, good luck. Yeah. You have to stay home because, Aval, you, we don't have enough test kits here, so they're only testing people who are really, really sick. Right. And Aval, unless you're really, really sick, the chances of you wanting to walk in there and potentially become really, really sick mm. are uh, something else to consider. Right. Like, I wouldn't, if I, like... God forbid. You know, I didn't want to think okay. about it. Well, I, I have I to, I have to get it. off the phone in about one minute because I still have to wrap it up with Ballet Idaho. Um, um, but I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back home and watering my plants and, and having my personal space back and not being woken in the morning by someone shooting a Nerf gun at my door, quite frankly. Um, well, you will have that. And I do think there is a kind of, I mean, there is the way that New York City always secedes from uh, the rest of the country. And in that way, the sort of social dissolution that I think we are watching, that's always been present. Um, I mean, we have not been a society. And that is, here we are, like, crumbling because we've had rich people being like, well, you don't need healthcare. And now it's like, guess what? Our healthcare will affect you. So Exactly. Well, you know what I'm excited for? I'm excited to... um, try not to knock it on the subway and like walk to Greenpoint. You know what I mean? Doesn't that sound kind of fun? I mean, yeah, or you could bike. It's just then you'll have to wipe down everything. And as soon as you get to my apartment, I'll make you take off all of your clothes and like get in the shower. (laughs) I would rather walk than have to do all of that. That is insane. No, thank you. Well, you'll, I mean, it's a friend of mine, uh, two nights ago we were talking and, he was like, I saw someone on the subway with plastic gloves and I was going to take a photo of them until I saw that there were seven other people wow. wearing plastic gloves and masks. It's there you go. It's a real like shock that it took us so long to be like, it's an emergency. It's like, uh, did you see the rest of the world? Anyhow, um, well, this is unprecedented uh, in our lifetime and it's happening and we love you and we hope you're all staying healthy and not getting corona and ladies our- gentlemen and other we loves you so much and we are going to continue to come up with content for you 
uh, to keep us all safe. Our listener friend Simon in Nor- Norway sent me some alarming texts, and it's it's all going to be okay. Everyone young, we're going to try to live. He sent you alarming texts of like what, like it, how it like come to Norway? Well, he was telling me how like he's not scared about Norway, and then suddenly the next day he was like, "I'm scared." Because the whole opera house shut down and da ba 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 ba. Right. Well, I really, you know, my God, it's like people in Sweden are getting like paid to stay home. You know, they're still getting their check. Oh, we'll never, we'll never. Have no, that. we'll never. But have that. it's like watch Sweden's cases be like far less than here. Also, like Sweden right. is like what the population of a few of our states. Connecticut. Right. Yeah. Anyhow, um, um, okay. travel safe Jack, tomorrow. I love you. You won't see me tomorrow, probably, but um, travel no, safe. No, I don't. My plane lands at eight. Right. Right. Okay. Travel safe. Well, thank you for calling, yeah. and I'll see you soon. Wash your ha- face and wash your hands and wash your face. <laughs> I'm not kidding because it like gets around your nose and your mouth and stuff. Okay, I'm gonna use Clorox wipes on my face. I'm gonna be hardcore. I mean, here's here's the thing. They like. <laughs> oh my god, Jack. <laughs> uh, well, I'll text you all this. Just wash your okay. hands and wash your face. Love you. Bye. Okay, bye. Today I'm talking with old, old friends whom I met in summer of 1999, Garrett Anderson and Courtney Wright, who then became Anderson because they did in fact get married several years later. We all met in Seattle in ballet school at PMB. We were PDs and uh, we suffered through that miserable time together, though at times it was fun, especially (laughs) when Courtney was there, but she abandoned us for San Francisco ballet very early. Um, I had to have a sip of my tea. At any rate, <clears throat> I'm somehow going to bring them in now. Segway. Segway. Say hello, Garrett. Hello. Say hello, Courtney. Hi. Hi. I want you to come a little closer. Oh. She's Courtney, a baby. she has a full nine-week-old baby. Ten. He's ten weeks Ten today. weeks old, suckling her breast. <laughs> um, so, do you would you like to say anything more about how we met or do you want to move forward from there? I could say a lot. Say something. So we used to call you our Mr. Martha Stewart. Okay. That was before Martha Stewart got in trouble. Okay. With the law. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And you were just getting into cooking. Is that true? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, mean, I think like because it was. I think you just cooked more than the rest of us. It was also the first time I was living totally on my own. Yeah. And we were all what eighteen. Yeah, 18, 19. Maybe you teach so us, none of us very how to basic cook. things about cooking pasta. Yeah, I definitely had more domestic skills than the rest. <laughs> but where I where I had domestic skills, you guys made up for it in having dancing skills, which I did not. I don't remember that at all. I mean, I was, I was good enough to get into that school, but not like, um, I wasn't good. I just I, looked good. I you were just very that. critical of yourself because yeah. you wanted to catch up because you started later. That's true. But I don't but remember like, skilled. oh, Reed, he's behind. I never. Oh, interesting. That well, I was faking it. Um, at any rate, let's move forward because nobody actually cares about when we were teens, but <laughs> just can I tell about the pinata that you made. Sure. Well, this was, I think, when you were beginning the costume part of your life. Kind of. 
And I loved Halloween and you loved Halloween. Mm. And so that was fun together. Mm -hmm. And then when I moved away to San Francisco, you made a rose tissue paper rose pinata for me. It's beautiful. I remember I I dipped the tips of all those petals in um, pink hued food coloring so that there'd be an ombre effect. That was before ombre. You have to applaud. Applaud for me. Don't wake the children. (laughs) At any rate. That was before ombre was a, a thing. Ombre's always been a thing, Courtney. I think it was. Uh-huh. It just wasn't happening to hair yet. Yeah. You know? Or leggings. Right, right, right. Or leggings. Yeah. So anyways, I will quickly, I'm going to just tell them about your career yeah. a little bit. You can pipe in when you want, but you guys went to San Francisco Ballet one year. Garrett, you went a year later. Yeah. You were already in a relationship and there you like really mm-hmm. solidified your relationship. You got married whilst at San Francisco Ballet. And then if you, Garrett, did very well in the company and Courtney had a series of injuries, mm-hmm. which held you back. Yeah. And so then at a certain point, you made the choice to join the Royal Ballet of Flanders so that your opportunities could be better. That's right. And Garrett's were worse. <laughs> that was the plan. <laughs> that, that was, was plan. the plan. Well, that was the beginning of hashtag me too. <laughs> Well, we, we also knew that we had, it was a very comfortable life in San Francisco and we felt like we had been there. You'd been there eight years, right, Courtney? Mm-hmm. So we felt like this is the time. If we want to have this adventure and go to Europe and have a different experience, we should do it now or we're just going to stay here for the rest of our career. Right. I think the thing that opened our eyes to that possibility was because that season, Bill Forsyth came and we did Artifact. At San Francisco Ballet. At San Francisco Ballet. It was before that, wasn't it? Like one year before that. I mean, that's what kind of got our wheels turning of like, oh, wow, Europe. Europeans. Mm -hmm. And I think after that experience, and Amy Raymond came to set it on us. And she was incredible. Jody Gates. Jody Gates. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think that got us thinking. That work was a real opening. And we wanted, we realized we're interested in, in other repertory, some of it, which we did get to experience in San Francisco. We also were interested in more process. We did so many valleys in San Francisco. We did eight programs a year. We'd be performing two while rehearsing another two during the day. Mm-hmm. So invariably you're just so full of information and so on this kind of adrenaline high of learning and working all day and then getting on stage at night and it was great you got you became very skilled i think as a performer but we didn't have a sense of deepening our knowledge in the work in in europe i mean we didn't know this then i think going to europe we were seeking other things but one of the things we found immediately going there was that there was time for process and you really i think artistry was um it had the chance Just, to develop. Yeah. How did you arrive at Flanders? We did an audition tour together and we went to a bunch of different companies and yeah. um It just felt right. Yeah, there. none felt. of the other ones felt right and that one felt right. Well, a big part of it was was Bill's work was a majority of the rep at that mm-hmm. time because Kathy, Kathy Bennett's, Bennett's was yeah. And you guys were performing Impressing the Czar. The whole evening. The whole evening impressing the czar, which they had been doing, and we kind of slotted into that. And then Artifact came the year we got there. So the, the whole full, evening Artifact. Yeah, the full Artifact. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'd done the suite. And, and was he coming to coach? Yeah, mm-hmm. for all of it. Great. We also got to work with Killian. Kathy was an amazing coach, so even just working with her was 
Yeah. Amazing. And how many years did you stay in Antwerp? Three. Three. And would you say those were happy years? <laughs> Long pause. I would say I learned a ton and I'm really grateful for the time. I was not in a very bright place at that time. Well, it's a cloudy place. I it's a cloudy place. <laughs> it's a very it's cloudy very place. Yeah. As, you, as you've been responding to the beige in, in Boise. Incredibly was, beige. I thought it was very gray. It was very beautiful there. But it's it was, lovely. It was very gray. There was I a lot of green. I had a chance to reinvent my identity as no longer an injured. Yeah. Right. Even though you still had injuries, you had you had escaped that as I your identity. I didn't have an injury until the end. The calf. Uh, yeah. And they were giving you big roles. Because I was hired right as a away. soloist. So yeah. I Were got... you hired as a soloist? He was, was a first I was a first soloist. soloist. There's Which lots is... of ranks. There. Oh, very fancy soloists. Lots of tears. <laughs> My goodness. Yeah. So, um, so, but they yeah. had a real need for Courtney in the comp- just in the kind of constitution right. of the group. She they needed a more classical female yeah. to tackle some and things. A, a classical female had just left the company, so I got to have all of her parts. So it was perfect timing right. for me. Whereas with Garrett, he was third in line for the principal male parts because other dance, other more senior dancers had been there. Although it was I just think, one of many medium height medium right. men. And no one has any time for that. No one's, time. <laughs> no one's coming to the third cast role, the third cast show of Human Variations. <laughs> um, so then at that point, I remember Garrett, you had the opportunity to come and dance here in Boise for the Trey McIntyre project. Was that immediately following what you call it? That was two and a half years that into was, our yeah. Flanders experience. Right. So yeah. it went Flanders, Trey McIntyre, right. and then Hubbard Street. That's right. And you came and were potentially going to dance with Trey McIntyre, but there was a scheduling conflict, so you didn't. Right. And then when you moved to... Sh- then did you start dancing for Suzanne? Then we were... Um, we didn't know what we were going to do because right. we knew we didn't want to, we weren't going to move to Boise, but we knew we wanted to come back to the States. And out of the blue, Glenn called Garrett and said, are you still interested in this Hubbard Street job? I have an opening, right? Yeah. Glenn and I had known each other uh, for several years. We met in San Francisco. After I know Glenn left. used and to stay at your house. Yeah. He had a teaching engagement in the summers with summer Lee radigan this is glenn edgerton for our listeners who care about uh european contemporary dance in hubbard street but he yeah he had just left his directorship at ndt and he was teaching in the summers in san francisco and it, it kind of lined up with our layoff period so most of the time he had our our apartment to himself and then for a couple weeks each summer we would stay there together so we got to know glenn really well one time, Glenn and I were doing uh, finger turns in the living room, and I kicked the cat off the table. <laughs> oh, my God. Do you think he, does he remember that? The cat or Glenn? Glenn. Oh, yeah. Well, the cat's dead. You had a cat? We had, we had two. two cats. They just died. Well, one of them just died. Both of them are Do you guys think it's here. crazy that I have no recollection of your cats? Maine Coon. It was the really orange one and the black and white one. Well, I definitely stayed at that house in Noe Valley. I yeah. stayed at your house in Chicago. But we only had the cats like the last in Valley. year or two That's that we were there. Huh. Okay. Anyways, uh, I don't remember much. So really obviously cats. I'm not going to remember those cats. <laughs> um, so then you so went to Glenn Chicago. Called, well, this is crazy. Glenn called Garrett and said, I have a job. Do you want to take it? He was like, yeah, of course. The next day, the board said to Glenn, we have to downsize the company. And Glenn was like, well, I just gave that contract 
to a dancer. So then they... Well, it wasn't as easy as that. I did go and audition. And then during that week, he said, after that kind of four-day audition, he said, okay, I think we'd like to offer you this contract. And then, yes, then everything changed. Literally the next day, yeah, the contract was no longer available. So Glenn negotiated three months for Garrett Uh in hopes that Garrett's lovely dancing would convince the board to raise the money to hire him full-time, which... It worked out. Yeah, so we moved to Chicago. I didn't have a job, and Garrett had a three-month job. Okay. And it worked out. Incredible security. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But, you know, there is no future in dance ever. So it doesn't even matter. You know, three months, eight years, it's going to end, and you'll be left with nothing. I could be fired tomorrow. Yeah. So you were in Chicago now, and Courtney, you started doing stuff with Chicago City Ballet. Is that true? Um, Is that what it's called? Ballet Chicago. Ballet Chicago. I was teaching. I thought I, I thought I was going to retire and I was teaching and Sandy Jennings came to set Swan Lake on Ballet Chicago mm-hmm. and she said, you should audition for Suzanne Farrell Ballet. They have an opening because Natalia Magnica Bali. Yes. Uh-huh. Got injured, I think, or uh-huh. sick or something. And so I flew to Washington DC on a Wednesday and I started on Monday. Wow. Yeah. And well, now you had balancing schooling at PMB with us, but was this a shock to yes. now be trained by Suzanne? After, yeah, thinking I had retired. Right. And having not worn point shoes at bars since I was 17. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was a shock. And I, and pink tights under the leotard and all yeah. that. Yeah. I once auditioned for Suzanne Farrell Ballet in between Alberta Ballet and moving to New York. Mm-hmm. And I, t- I took this class in Seattle to audition and she offered me a job. And I, um, I was too scared yeah. because the, the class was so intense yeah. that I, I was like, I would not be able to survive. Yeah. There's no way because like she, I remember her walking around the room during that audition and being like, there is only one fifth position <laughs> on literally walking around on what looked like marionette's legs. Yeah, I was true. like, no, <laughs> no, that one fifth position literally destroyed your pelvis. Her, yeah. Your pelvis has been scrambled and, and her knees and her ankles. Oh my God. I would yeah. say visiting while well, Courtney was on tour with Susan Fernand Valley, visiting and watching the class because I wasn't allowed to take the class. Yeah. Remember you asked and I was like, there are no guests in class. And then I saw why it was a very, very specific. So intense. And the dancers, I felt the dancers were there because they thrived on that kind of They class. believe yeah. it. Yeah. You have to believe it or there's it no works. way. Because yeah. Yeah. some of the combinations I remember from that audition class, I was like, there's no way I can learn this. Yeah. I imagine maybe after many weeks of it, but yeah. um, I was very lucky I got into Shenway because that was like my contingency was going to Susan mm. Farrell Ballet. Wow, that's so different. Yeah. yeah. And what was amazing was that my very first summer at Shenway, we had a residency at the Kennedy Center at oh. the same time oh. as Susan Farrell Ballet. <laughs> so we were in the building Hi. together. Truly, I was like, "Hi. What was her name? Michael Ann Milliken?" Uh, oh yeah, the company yeah. manager. She's at PMB now. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. She always like remembers me. Aww. Like it's weird because Suzanne really holds grudges with, for people who don't go. Oh. Like I remember once Noe telling me, cause Noe dropped me off at that audition in Seattle cause oh, I was staying nice. with her yeah. and she went yeah. up to Suzanne and she was like, 
I don't know if you remember me, but I auditioned for your summer program many years ago. And she was like, I remember you. (laughs) (laughs) She was like, well, I guess it worked out because I'm a principal at PMB. (laughs) But anyways, um, are there any sort of uh, pearls of wisdom that Suzanne gave you that you'd like to share with us? Probably, but I have such a bad memory. I don't. Don't we all? Remember. As we hurtle towards 40. I know. (laughs) She actually, no. Okay. One just came into my mind. It was, she was giving this, I loved the challenge of her combinations. And, um, she said that you have to keep the rhythm in preparing for a pirouette. Like Mm -hmm. if you, as soon as you hesitate and try to make a longer preparation, you lost it. Right. And you got to dance some really wonderful things with her. I did. You did the principal in Hyfe. Mm-hmm. And what else did you get to do? I don't remember. There. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sonatine. Oh, wow. Yeah. With wow. Mom Chill at the Kennedy Center. That's so nice. Yeah. You did Sarah. What you yeah. call? Dark Angel. Beautiful. Oh, that was a funny story. I had to buy your hair extension. Because I thought so I got retired. So I chopped my hair off oh, right God. before I... She sent me this frantic <laughs> message. You have to go well, no, to okay. Sally's and yeah. get me this hair extension. Here's the color. And were you coming back or I had to mail it to you? I don't remember. But I don't know why I had to either. buy it. You just couldn't. You were somewhere on tour where we you couldn't We didn't have find Sally's it. Beauty Supply in yeah. Washington, D.C., I guess. You how had, did, like, called in to this downtown yeah. Sally's. And the, it was a I point. went to a salon in D.C. to get, like, permanent extensions right. put on. And Suzanne said, no, I want you to do the clip-in kind. Well, she was right. You know why? Because when Garrett and I were at PMB, they revived Chacon. Yeah. And Carrie Imler had quite short hair at the time. And she was, like third cast or second cast and she got proper extensions put in yeah and every time she would combray back her hair would like stick to her head up to the point of the extension and then fall <laughs> so it was like there was this break yeah. and it looked so bizarre I'm sure that's how mine looked too though well they had the extensions taken out and they just gave her a fall to uh, wear which looked fine yeah so i think just clipping in is easier and did it look okay i don't know at least you have time in Dark Angel to kind of it, judge it, you know? A little bit. Fun. But I I just remember, like, going in the quick change curtain area backstage and, like, flat ironing and clipping <laughs> and spraying. And it was insane. That's yeah. a lot to do before yeah. you come out and PK arabesque from yeah. on. Yeah. So at any rate, you got to do this wonderful thing. You were learning how to do contemporary dance at Hubbard Street. Yeah. And um, how was that physical adjustment for you? Was it jarring? It was less jarring physically than it was, I wouldn't say jarring, but it was definitely an education just in terms of like how I was approaching the work. Right. Um, cerebrally, physically too. I mean, it was a whole, I just felt like I was starting again. Um, and there were ways that later on, once I had kind of built some competency later on, the, the technique kind of clicked so the things that I had built for many many years as a classical dancer started to become useful in a very different way than I expected and I felt like I actually understood my technique in ballet class better which surprised me I just thought that would sort of fall away right Um, but I think learning my body in a more holistic sense and just learning movement I'm sure you had a similar experience with with your pathway. Yeah. I had to like really dismantle myself and put myself back together. Mm. And then I could look at my 
classical training and understand it a lot better than I previously had because I didn't know how I wasn't able to look at it from outside my physical self. And then once I had like a different, a different way of approaching my skeleton and, and momentum, et cetera, then I could be like, Oh, ballet is different than I, than than I thought it needed to be. Yeah. I think it's partly that and giving myself permission to do things differently. And, and also that there are ways that ballet technique does make a lot of sense, but you're not, you're not taught that way. Right. You're just taught that these are the rules. Yeah. And then later when you apply those concepts to very different, like in a very different framework within contemporary dance where the movement is the focus and not those rules, you realize, Oh, that there's a physicality that is pretty logical, but it isn't really. Isn't ballet so <clears throat> depressing in that way that yes. when you're young and pliant and you have all this elasticity you have no idea what you're doing and then like you when you're do it. when you're old enough <clears throat> to really know and think and like appreciate it your body is like i don't nope. think so <laughs> I, you know like as much as you can dream it you can't mm-hmm. do it yeah but i think being able, having to find it later and having some maybe some more physical limitations at that point does encourage a lot more um efficiency and I think just more thoughtfulness in the work that yeah that I'm grateful for now well anyways I'm I'm barreling forward here yeah because uh, we're all gonna have to go to sleep at some point <laughs> yeah. so you then <clears throat> kind of started stepping out of your responsibilities at Hubbard Street and you became a real estate agent in I was, Chicago. I was doing that. Yeah. Wow. We won't get into this deeply, but you guys are real estate moguls and you have properties all over the place because you keep moving around and buying homes. Yeah. It's very wise that as soon as wherever you move, you just buy a house. Garrett always won at Monopoly. Oh, such the most boring game on earth. <laughs> oh my God. Rowan and Kelly just wanted to play it the other day. They liked it. Um, and the both of you got your bachelor's degrees. Yeah. Yes. Took a while. 12 years. Through the LEAP program that you started at San Francisco Ballet. Yes. Congratulations. Thank you. I I admired them. Uh, Oh, yeah. They're hanging out. Yeah, nailed to the wall in my beautiful bedroom. Was that a fart? That was was a a poop. It was a poop. Oh, Oh, it's a wet one. It's pooping. Yeah. That's a baby poop. Um, They don't smell. No. Sweet Sweet smells. Yeah. So then you guys, an, an opportunity came up in Santa Fe. Am I skipping something? No, no. To be the directors of high school magnet art school dance program. Mm -hmm. And so you went to Santa Fe and um, how'd that go for you? Uh, That was great. Santa Fe is a magical place. Did you guys have identical roles? Well, I was the chair of the dance department for this high school for the performing arts. Courtney was just helping me do everything. She wasn't officially co-chair, but she really was helping me run the whole thing. Right. Um, <laughs> we learned a ton about, you know, I had to get my teaching license through the state. So I had to, I had to study and take these right. horrific tests. And, and Courtney, you, know, you already had your certification through NDI, right? Well, National that, Dance Institute. But he was talking about like state. I know, I know. Oh, I'm just okay. a- adding. Yes. And it, yes. That was relevant yes. because that she knew a lot about teaching that yeah, I didn't know. Right. And Come to find out the, the school, school was we went to was an NDI school. Right. Yeah. And the NDI, National Dance Institute, is a program that was started by Jacques D'Amboise at the New York City yeah. Public Schools, which is a phenomenal program for yeah. 
teaching children to dance to dance through a more kind of pedestrian and jazz vernacular. And if you ever get a chance and you're in New York or wherever there's a yeah. NDI show, you should definitely go because they're very moving because yeah. it's they allow children to have like a very rewarding and positive experience through dancing together and dancing well together, mm-hmm. which is something you don't often see with yeah. young it's kids. It's an amazing program. Yeah. And our school wasn't an NDI school, but it was affiliated with another organization that was kind of the sister organization. Courtney, He's what? You to edit all this out. No, no, no. What, <laughs> what did uh, Quinn eat? It's just, just breast milk. Just breast milk. She's yeah. on a strict wow. diet. Quinn was constipated for several days when I arrived um, oh, and is now... That's over now. Very regular. Loudly <laughs> regular. Loudly regular. Okay, so you were in Santa Fe for one year. Is that correct? Two years. Two. Two. Wow, that's a long time. Yeah. And at what point... How did this job you have now come to be? Did you just start applying to things? No, I, I thought I would, I thought we would stay in Santa Fe for quite a while. I, I thought, okay, this is the beginning of a new chapter. I'm learning a lot. Um, this... We hadn't even finished unpacking yet <laughs> well, we in moved Santa a Fe times. and we knew that the job was very rewarding. We had a lot to learn, but it was also frustrating. Because we didn't have the skills to to work with all the the social emotional issues that high schoolers go through, right? And we just felt not equipped or not. It wasn't quite the right fit. So we were frustrated in that area, but we were learning a lot. We hadn't even finished unpacking from our move to Santa Fe. That's shameful. And Garrett had was well, talking about. We lived in a couple different houses <laughs> yeah. there. We had moved. We were in, we, in a yeah, we temporary had, housing. We and then we moved and we were living with her parents. We didn't really have room to unpack. So yeah, we just right. kind of kept having but I, stuff. I was like, no, we are just getting settled. You're not going to apply for another but job. But maybe psychologically you knew you but weren't then, in the right place. Yeah, a month into I think, I think, second year, I was like, yeah, you need to apply. <laughs> I think by doing that job, I realized I do really love the mentorship and the work in the studio. Um and I was really interested in, in the leadership part and, you know, all the roles that a director needs to do in terms of fund, helping with fundraising and visioning and, you know, just you get to wear a lot of different hats. And it's right. certainly never boring. But I also felt like I wanted to work with professional dancers again. I missed that. Right being in the studio. So did you just go onto like a Craigslist ad that said Valley Idaho director? Yeah. I said, well, look at this. <laughs> Boise, Idaho. No, I no, think no, it I was, was when we were here for John we Michael were, and Brett's wedding, right? right. There was a, a poster advertising seeking artistic director. Oh, I was Idaho. here with you. Yeah. You were here with us. And, and John Michael made a joke. We were walking past the record exchange and there was a like ad seeking thing poster on the right. And he made a that. joke of like, hey, you should apply for this. I remember taking a walk and it came up. I don't mm-hmm. remember what we saw, but he said. And we were like, ha ha, we just moved to Santa Fe. We're not, we're not ready yeah, to move That again. is crazy. And then he said, no, seriously, you should apply. And then I talked to a couple other people that I knew from that time that were still in Boise. Lauren so a lot of the dancers from TMP didn't leave or they came back after a time. Right. Um, so I, I talked to a few people and they said, because I didn't know much about Ballet Idaho. With TMP, we were barely here. We, I was here probably six weeks out of that six months right. that I was on tour with them. Um, so I knew I loved Boise, but I didn't know much about the company. I hadn't seen them perform yet. And everyone I talked to said, oh, that would be great. I think you would be great for that. Or I think you would love it. Um, so I just Did you, thought, okay, go back like 
two, a couple years before you started applying for this, did you ever for a second think like, I'd like to direct a ballet company? No, it wasn't until doing the job. Until you saw that poster on the tree? No, it was when... (laughs) (laughs) Some kid running down the street saying, "Uh, artistic director for sale. And you were like, I'll take it. I'll take it. (laughs) Um, that was a reference to my four-year-old who's been selling his, his art for sale. Now I just have to art. say, Kellen has made over thirty dollars. Is that correct? In, over thirty-five in, now. In over thirty-five dollars. Yeah, they brought it. Yeah, today on the street. He's yeah. motivated. And now selling what are essentially um, green food coloring mixed with water in a spray bottle. Right. Wow. Right. I think that you can you can sell them in a they're in a all more very unique. Way. Yeah, you can call them, um, gosh, I can't think right now because it's so late, but it's essentially a collection and you're selling um, a word I can't think of. You can get one for a dollar. One dollar art. Yeah. (laughs) That has to become more valuable. I mean, now that our economy is going to be obliterated, perhaps not for a while, but anyways. No, Garrett, because we've known each other since we were 17, he's never talked about being a director. He was going to be an architect or a psychologist. Oh, wow. And then that... Sentence. We should have talked more living in that room for years. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <It's> teens. <laughs> we didn't talk for a while. We really we talked didn't. a lot, and then we didn't. We talk. talked a lot, and then we stopped. We stopped talking. <laughs> Got her. Now we're talking again. Look at us. We picked it right back up. <laughs> we picked it up. We only... We took about an eight-month break. Yeah. I'm going to say. That's true. As teens. Problem. Yeah. And then we were fine. Yeah. We needed a break. Yeah. Yeah. At any rate, see, that's we weren't equipped to work with teenagers. That those are hard years. We as teens were not equipped to work with teenagers, and that's true. Yeah, that's we, absolutely we true. As adults, and <laughs> we were probably more equipped as teens than we were <laughs> as adults. Because now I'm like, I can't remember what that. Was like. But to answer your question, I didn't. As a dancer, I didn't ever have aspirations of directing. I know dancers that have talked about it their whole career. Like, one day I want to direct. I want to, you know, shape my career in order to make that a possibility. I never thought that I would do that. I, I kind of yearned to leave the dance world and have very different experiences. Because right. I felt like there's all these things I'm interested in. Right. It's a whole wide world out there. And but we did leave the dance world for a year. That last year we were living years. in Chicago. Yeah. I, I felt like we, was I was doing, doing freelance work, teaching a little bit. But mostly yeah. we weren't in the dance world. That, were you? in Chicago when the first boy came? Yes. First and two. second. Yeah. Right. Kellen had his first birthday in Chicago and then we moved the next week. Wow. He had his second birthday in Santa Fe and his third birthday in Boise. That's good. I think it'll make him very comfortable with change. Yeah. Change. 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 He's, he's very pliable. Yeah. Um, so in my experience watching you this week be the director of Ballet Idaho... Uh-oh. It's remarkable some of the things that you have to do yeah. uh, that I, for me, as a person who's not very comfortable with um, conflict, I find a lot of these things somewhat humiliating or stressful and you do them gracefully. Thank I have you. to say, I'm very impressed because I find it horrifying. <laughs> but I agree. I think this, ever since we left San Francisco Ballet, I had watched him kind of grapple with finding his identity every time we moved and coming here to this job, I feel like it's, it's the fit that he's been looking for. Right. There's so many things that you have to deal with on a daily basis. And 
But I feel like Ballet Idaho is a really interesting size company because mm-hmm. you have an enormous amount of control right away in terms of shaping the identity of the company, which not is not always the case right. for someone who takes over a bigger company where like they have there's a longer transition period where they have to kind of take into account what's been given to them for a longer period of time. Yeah. But you've been given this opportunity to make really creative choices really quickly. And what has been your approach with Ballet Idaho? And why don't you give our listeners a sense of like the size of Ballet Idaho in comparison to other companies? Mm. Well, Ballet Idaho has 20 company members and three apprentices. Um, So we're just big enough to pull off a full-length story ballet, barely. Um, if no one and, gets injured, yeah, or sick, and and this is really remarkable. I talk about the viewership that's available to you in Boise, and how, and consequently, how many performances you put on of each thing. Well, Boise is still a small city, but it's growing really quickly. Um, we do five programs a year. So we have the Nutcracker and a story ballet and three repertory programs. It's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. And it's a stretch to do as many performances. I think this year we have 23 performances. I'm trying to add work weeks and performances every year because I think the one thing I remember as a dancer when you're looking at companies is how much are we going to get on stage? What are, what is our experience really going to be in performance? And that's when you grow. Um, not that you don't grow from the studio time, but it's really when it comes all together. Right. I mean, it's remarkable the amount of effort and creativity that's going into these programs and then they get performed twice or four times. And that is something that is, it's the worst business model ever. I don't know. I mean, there's something kind of beautiful about, just mo- so much of the time is spent working yeah. and then the product gets shown. There's just like not that many people to see it right. in a place like Boise. That's true. But the fact that you're pouring all of this energy into, into making like a creative product that you really believe in, it's not, it can't be about just like, right be getting excited about people seeing it. It's not just because the almost no one's seeing yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. And I think you're right. And the one thing I I remember talking about this when I first started, um, is that I wanted people to not have this sense of partially because we had so few performances, but I think in any company, it's important to talk about, it's not just the performances, the work that we do, the most brilliant moments that happen, um, in the studio where no one witnesses it except right. you and your colleagues right. and that's every day is valuable and, and if we start thinking about well how many people are at the show or which show is this or um, yeah I mean it's just the, the career is too short to not value every moment that you're doing the work I mean my favorite parts of my career in ballet companies are those times when we were in the studios and there's this whole kind of um, structure of people making everything happen from the bottom up. There's the costume builders, there's the musicians, there's the admin people. And 
So getting to be at Bally, Idaho, and in my experience working with companies of this size, it's really nice to kind of insert myself in it for a short while mm. and like get to experience it again yeah. and have that kind of like family structure. And I've, oh, I've always loved being like an opera house and having everything happen under a roof all yeah. at once. So I like, I like this environment for working where it's not overly structured and I can especially with my work, just sort of bring it up and down the stairs yeah. to you can float between studio. Yeah. And it's an amazing opportunity to be experimental. Yeah. And I think, you know, this is that building period and we're about to open on Friday and it's, it's the thrilling and somewhat scary moment for a director to say, or a choreographer or a designer to say, okay, now the work is really done. And then they get to perform it. But that's also what I remind the dancers when they are nervous. Cause then I think it's a good way of framing it. Like we've, we've built this piece. We've done all this work for, you know, the five weeks that it took to build these pieces. And now, now it just gets to live and people get to experience that exchange, but the work's done. I mean, do you ever get um, embarrassed or anxious when you have to make like an inspirational speech? Well, Ann Mueller, who's our, a wonderful artistic associate will sometimes sense that moment of like, it's time. it's time to have that, you know, <clears throat> mm-hmm. without planning it or even knowing what we should say. Sometimes she'll just say, do you want to say something? <laughs> <laughs> and I always know if she has that sense of like, I definitely should. And sometimes, sometimes I have, yeah, a split second of, I don't know. Right. But there's always something that I'm feeling and there's always, something to say when I have this room full of beautiful artists that have just poured their guts into a piece and, or, a, you know, the end of a long week, Yeah, there's never a lack of, of admiration or, or things to reflect on. So, yeah. but yeah, I'm not always in that mindset myself. I think, I think sometimes I float between kind of empathizing with the dancer experience and then also having to step onto the other side of the room and really, take, you know, a a little bit farther lens on it, um, as a leader. Um, and I think that's a difficult thing in this phase of being a new director, but also an, uh, an advantage to still have that sense of the experience that the dancers are having and have some empathy for that. Um, but it's certainly a complicated process. I also think that from just sort of talking to you the last week, the fact that you're dealing with sort of scarce resources is pushed you to use and be creative in terms of what you're programming Mm -hmm. because you can't just pay zillions of dollars for like tried and true kind of old repertoire. You're using people, you know, who are young and, and not incredibly established to come in and make dances, which I think is really important, not only for building, uh, for cultivating a kind of, audience here but also for for cultivating the choreographers that you like and that you've grown up with yeah so who are some of those people um well i i feel really fortunate that i've gotten to work with a lot of amazing dancers who are now kind of stepping into their own as choreographers and some of them have been doing it a long time too um craig whose costumes you just designed we danced with him in 
Royal Valley of Flanders. Craig Davidson. Craig Davidson, as well as Ricardo Amarante. They're both, they both have pieces in this program. Mm -hmm. Ricardo is now the associate director in Kazakhstan at Astana Valley. Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan. <laughs> um, and then Penny Saunders, um, who I worked with at Harvard Street for many years, dear, dear friend, Danny. Danny Rowe, who I met kind of recently. I met her about four years ago at SF Dance Works. Um, we danced together a bunch. I danced in some of her dances there. Um, and she's made a piece last year on Valley Idaho and is making another one this year. Dana? Dana Genshaft, who I met when I was a child. At ABT summer course. Mm-hmm. Maybe I met her at PMV. Well, the first time I saw Dana, she was walking down the street in Seattle. I think she came in for like a day yeah. for some reason. And busy. I remember she had just been at Paris Opera Valley School or something. Yeah. She, was she just spent a year there. Long. She was my um, roommate. Uh, roommate. Dressing roommate. She's, she's no joke. Dressing yeah. roommate. And then we danced, yeah. So we danced together in San Francisco. And also Robin Mineko Williams, who danced with Edward Street and... Um, Alejandro Cerruto. Mm -hmm. Quinn Wharton, and, um, he just made a great piece. For Quinn Wharton. I just want to point out for our listeners that he just named more women than men in oh, terms yeah. of people who he's commissioned to make dances. So yeah. mad props <laughs> for Garrett Anderson. Thanks. Um, okay, so that's Ballet Idaho. It's really great. You have really nice dancers. I've really enjoyed my time here. Thank you. I like taking class with your company in the mornings. No one's made fun of me. Read his taking class every day. <laughs> He's so delicate. No They've not made fun of me to my face, which is nice. And um, do we have uh, Courtney? What are your responsibilities at Valley Idaho? I mean, you're a mother of three. Mother of three, and one is newborn. Three boys. He's awake now. I'm sure you hear him grunting and, and pooping. Pooping. <laughs> and... I um, last year I was volunteer. This year I have an official title of rehearsal assistant. Mm -hmm. But then I went on maternity leave, so... <laughs> and as a rehearsal assistant, you're doing some coaching. Coaching, and I teach company class twice a week. Oh, it's a lot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. I enjoyed it. In yeah. certain programs, she's in rehearsal every day, and certain programs, less, but... Yeah, I tend... Like, I help anything that comes through balance sheet. So last year, I helped with Allegro. Mm -hmm. It was lovely. And a lot with Cinderella. Cinderella. Did Edward Lang Cinderella. Yeah. And Ricardo's Love, Fear, Loss. Beautiful ballet. I helped with that. Who's Ricardo? Amarante. Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan. Right, right, right. <laughs> Sorry. I can't, I can't. You have to say Kazakhstan, Kazakhstan. I don't know who it is. <laughs> um, and then do we have anything else to add? I've had a lovely time. I still have one more week. Yeah. You may, not, week? you may not be able to leave. Yeah. We'll see. Sure, I might be stuck here forever. Travel see what happens band. with the country. I got to walk through the hills of Boise. I got to stay in bed almost all day on Saturday, which was yeah. great. Reed has been... Um, We've had so many wonderfully home-cooked meals, and we just yeah. had a really delicious soup. Although I have to say, my favorite meal was the uh, potato ginger, uh, lettuce wraps. Ginger stir oh, that was fry. Very Courtney good. made. Well, that was very good. You. If, if any of our we listeners made. want that recipe for these delicious gluten-free lettuce wraps, let me know, and I'll send it to you. Yeah, really good. Um, and if you have any questions about Ballet Idaho, you can send your resume to uh, Garrett. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Ganderson. No, send it oh. to A. Mueller. Oh, send it. Send it. You say it. A. Mueller at BalletIdaho.org. Great. 
Yeah. Maybe it's Bell Mueller. That's it's on, on the website. Oh. Yeah, go to the website. Oh, they have a website. Oh, it's okay. a great, Boise's a great town. People move here from far away to have like a happy, safe life. And if you want to be a dancer in a company that's up and coming, you should come here. Yeah. I think. I agree. Yeah. I also, if you're incredibly rich, <laughs> send checks. Yeah. <laughs> send checks. We take all kinds of checks. Any yeah. size. You send yeah. artwork for the kids to sell on the street. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyways, anything else to add? Do you want to tell a story? How long have we been recording? We've been recording for 47 minutes. Wow. I feel like we should mention Lar Lubavitch because we talked about this whole program. Oh, yeah. Lar Lubavitch is, um, as you know, a friend of the pod, uh, my employer for many years, and, a, and a, someone I love. It's kind of where our careers have intersected, although not... Yes. Directly. We had a we dinner did. the other night at John Michael and Brett's house and all the dancers at the table had in some way been, had danced in Lars' work and been affected mm-hmm. by him. And he has staged one of his works for your company for this program, mm-hmm. which is so lovely. It's called mm-hmm. Something About Night. It's actually created on Brett. And Brett, got Brett, to, Perry. Brett lives in Boise and got to, to help stage it. Brett and Perry, who you might or might not see on TV. <laughs> we'll see. We'll Rea- see. Reality we'll see. ballet show. Bush. Oh, oh. Courtney. Courtney. <laughs> um, anyways, Rhymes I. Mix. Stop. Stop. <laughs> anyways, I love you guys. And um, I hope I haven't been too ungrateful again. Are you kidding? Every morning. Are you kidding? The baby's freaking out, the eggs are burning. As if we make eggs in the morning. There's definitely not and, eggs in the morning. And re- <laughs> Where are you living? <laughs> Courtney, okay, I'll actually do it. Courtney's okay, asleep. I'm we have still granola. In bed. We have several Reed, kinds of granola, but that's Reed it. is helping our children. I'm navigating parenting in a way that I have literally no idea what I'm doing as children are shooting me with Nerf guns. Reed is a natural. I'm not a Talk natural. Talk about your, your morning commute together. So every morning we get in the car at 815 and we drive Rowan to school and every day it's a different thing. It's a conversation. A different meltdown. There's meltdowns. And then Garrett does uh, like reverse psychology or some like incredible psychological gymnastics to manipulate the situation. It is I will never have children. It's, <laughs> uh, no, it is unbelievable. I cannot believe you guys are doing this. You have three. Oh, so this morning. I told you to abort. <laughs> I told you. Horrible. Look and now you sweet. have this. I remember when we told Reed that we were pregnant with our third. And he said, oh my God, that's great. Why? I didn't. Why? I literally Why said, I did that? not say, oh my God, that's great. I yeah, said, you are didn't. you serious? <laughs> See, I inserted that so that I feel good. You have tremendous children. I'm not saying it's, it's, and I'm not. It and Reed, is. you're great with them. Anytime I'm doing a diaper change and he's freaking out, Reed will come hold his arms still and he calms down. Yeah. Reed will come lash him down to the table. No, I've had really nice moments with the kids, but I do feel shut down when they act out in ways I don't understand. And they become emotionally intense. Oh yeah. So this morning, normally I don't, I don't give in to temper tantrums, uh-huh. but Kellen, well, when they start throwing cut, uh, ironing boards, you know, <laughs> it, no, well, that, actually, that just fell over on its own. Cause it's tippy. Okay. But he was refusing to go to school. And normally I would say I would force him to go, but I would like take my time with him I would sit with him at school for half an hour. So we had some transition time, you know, 
We just didn't have time. I, yeah, we, I would have, we would have missed ballet class. We went to beginner ballet together this morning. Priorities. And so I, it was either that. Literally I think three, it's the three mothers in ballet class holding their babies for degages and stuff. And then one four-year-old running around the room. Liz Keller came today with her new baby. It was unbelievable. Did you wish that you had like a prop baby? Yeah. <laughs> I need a little extra weight to heave this body around now that I've gone so strong from a week of ballet class. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to start doing ankle weights, wrist weights tomorrow. <laughs> Ankle weights for space. Ankle weights for space. <laughs> Anyways, you guys, um, I love you, and I'm really grateful that we've gotten to do this, Look, and I'm sure we'll get to do it again. You. He loves you. Quinn is literally obsessed with me. It's <laughs> insane. Uh, please stop. Please, <laughs> Quinn. This is making me very uncomfortable, okay? And I need you to stop sneaking in my room in the night. <laughs> I w- I'm not going to do that, Okay. So, there you have it. Well, we love you too, and we're sad that you have to leave in a week. I'm so glad I'm leaving in a week. <laughs> <laughs> this morning it was pretty chaotic, and he just stayed so calm. And and I looked at him, and You're I was like, "You, you, you hate this, don't you?" He's like, "No, it's fine. It's fine. I don't it's hate fine. it." And I've been very grateful that I've been able to keep my hands busy in the costume shop and I think the costumes look beautiful. The costumes are gorgeous. I can't wait to see them on stage yeah. with lights. Tomorrow, tomorrow's the big day. We're going yeah. on stage. Yeah. And hopefully the shows won't get canceled. Anyways, listeners, send your good karma that we get to perform on Friday, Saturday and we loves you. You can say it. We, we loves, loves you. you.